Well, welcome to week 38 in the life of our church here at Walk, and I'm so thankful that I get to celebrate this week with you guys as we continue on in our journey. Um, last week, we celebrated our birthday, and today we get to keep on journeying through uh, as, we, as we walk this, this church planting journey out together. It's so, such a good journey to be a part of alongside so many of you, and we hope to connect you to our fellowship. Um, well, we have been walking verse by verse through this awesome, powerful, packed book in the Bible called Philippians. And I hope by now, if you've been attending Walk Church for any amount of time, that you are getting familiar with the pastor and apostle and author of this book, Paul, um, divinely inspired by God himself to write this awesome letter to the Philippian church plant. And we have made our way through Philippians 1, and we have entered into Philippians chapter 2. And last week, we covered a few verses um, that had to do with this second theme we see in this chapter, and that's the theme of shine. And the, this word shine is important because we as believers in Christ are called to shine, called to have a glow about us, called to be lights in a world that's oftentimes dark, in a city that's oftentimes dark. We're called to shine. And the theme we've taglined for Philippians chapter 2 here is that when the church becomes humble, she shines. Jesus' bride, the church, is a bride that is beautiful, spotless, glowing, shining, bright. And that's what Paul introduced us to last week as we looked at verse 14 and 15. Uh, today I want us to go ahead and uh, look at three more verses in Philippians chapter 2, verse 16 and 18. But before we eat up God's word, we always want to pray and ask God to bless this time. Uh, we've already prayed a lot We've already asked God to be with us. He's here this morning. Could you amen that? Could you sense that God is uh, in us and among us this morning? Um, but let's go ahead and just invite him now and ask him now, God, would you speak to me? God, I know you might speak to the person left to me or, or ahead of me, but God, I, wanna, I want you to speak to me. And I'm asking you to pray your own prayer right now. Ask God. Say, God, change my life today. Open my heart today to see you, to know you better. Let's pray. You pray your prayer. I'm going to pray mine. God, we are dependent on you to move today. So right now, in the name of Jesus, speak to us through your word, for your glory. Allow us to see the gospel of Jesus Christ in a fresh way today. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and read this in context. We'll start at verse 14 and 15. We'll make our way to 16 through 18, which is where we're going to spend the majority of our time today. If you're ready, say ready. If you're ready, say let's eat. Really quick, does anybody need a Bible? If you need one, go ahead and raise your hand. We'll walk you one down. If not, we got you on the screen here. Okay, Philippians 2, verse 14 through 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you, say that S word with me, shine. That's a good S word right there, shine, as lights in the world. Let's keep going for our verses for this week, 16 through 18. Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I'm to be bored out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also 
you, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So if you guys are like, whoa, that's a lot of words, a lot of biblical Christianese in this text here, and you're just like, that's a lot, be patient. It's a, it's a, it's a filet mignon passage that we're going to chop up into little pieces and we're going to devour it, okay? So I hope you guys are hungry for God's word this morning. Um, I really believe that, uh, that God wants to speak to us through verses 16 and 18 in a way that motivates our walk, in a way that encourages us in, in our walk, in a way that challenges us in our walk as well. I, I want to preach a message to you guys today that I'm titling, Live the Word, Experience Joy. Live the Word, Experience Joy. When we live the Word, when we, when we live the words of, of Scripture, there's going to be a supernatural joy that's going to flow out of us, that God is going to produce in us. And I believe that's really the theme of what Paul's talking about here. Live the word, experience joy. I got four points. I'm going to try to go through them pretty rapidly. So stay with me. Be ready out of these three verses, Philippians 2, 16 through 18. The first point that I want to draw our attention to is this. Love God's word. Love God's word. I'll tell you why I use these phrases, love God's word here. Because in verse 16, Paul kicks it off here by saying, holding fast to the word of life. Now, maybe that language is new to you. It is for me. I don't usually use the phrase hold fast in my context. I don't usually say, hey, Gabe, hold fast to the word of life. All right. But it's a phrase that has significance for us today at Walk. It has importance for us to know uh, the word or the phrase hold fast actually is, is a phrase that's shown all throughout the scripture. Um, I'll, I'll pull it up here. It's the Greek word apeko, okay? And we see the, the, this phrase apeko oftentimes in the New Testament. Here are some other, uh, other ways this same Greek word is used in the New Testament where an author might say to notice or to fix one's attention on or to stay or Remain, to keep a close watch. The definition for apeko is to give attention to. So when Paul says, hold fast to the word of life, what's he saying? Hold fast. Well, give attention to the word of life. Notice the word of life. Fix your attention. I mean, what does it mean to fix your attention on the word? It means to, to really give some intentional focus to, to stay or remain in the word of life, to keep a close watch on the word of life. And I was challenged by this because I'm like, all right, we got three verses we're going to try to tackle right here, but I'm, I'm not rushing away from this idea that we're called to hold fast to the word. Hold fast to the word. Paul gave us some action steps last week in Philippians 2 verse 14 and 15 um, if you remember some of those action steps, uh, you, you'll see them here on the, on the screen. Paul says, work out your salvation. Work out your own salvation. In other words, practice your faith, right? Remember that first sermon a couple weeks back? We referenced Allen Iverson, right? As he said, practice? What do we need practice for? And although Iverson was a, was a man of practice, no doubt, the, the point is a lot of Christians represent what he was saying. What do we got to practice our faith for? Aren't we just going to heaven? Aren't we just saved? No, Paul calls us to. Jesus calls us to walk in him, practice our faith, work out our faith, not work for our faith, not work to gain our salvation, but because we have been saved, practice your faith. Here's some action steps to practice it. 
Paul tells us in verse 14, stop complaining so much, church. A complaining church doesn't shine. When the world looks at the church complaining and arguing with each other, that's not too shiny or salty. That's, that's the opposite of what we're trying to do. Paul says, live a clean life. Live a pure life. Or as the verse says in verse 15 of chapter 2, live an above reproach life. The third thing he says is shine bright. Well, last week we didn't have a, a, a chance to cover the fourth component, but we will today. And that is to hold fast, to love God's word. Paul says this, Christian, brother and sister in Christ, from Las Vegas, from Mississippi, from around the world, anybody that's watching this, if you stop complaining so much, if you live a life that's clean, that's pure, if you live a life that is glowing, is shiny, if you live a life that loves God's word, that right there, one, is going to lead to more joy than this world would give, and it's also going to demonstrate the gospel to the watching world around you in a way that it wouldn't if you didn't do those things. And this, this last one, loving God's word, the reason why I use the word love there is because I, I like how Pastor Vance Pittman once I heard him say it. He said, you know how you spell love? T-I-M-E, right? You spell love by showing time. You, sh you spell love by investment. You can really tell if you love God's word by if you take time to listen to him. Let me ask you guys this. If you guys know my wife, Nina, a lot of you guys know who she is. If I were to only listen to her, maybe once a week, once every other week, do you think that we would have a good relationship? Right? If something would be off there. Or, or, or if she were to only like say, you know what, I'm only going to give you about 30 minutes uh, this morning for quiet time for me to listen to you. What type, you know, there wouldn't be a, a real solid, vibrant, authentic relationship. I think sometimes we treat God in his word that way. God is a God who speaks. You guys know that, right? God is an audible God. God has given us and relayed to us his word. 66 books of God speaking through prophets and men of God and all throughout the book. Jesus in the Gospels, a whole bunch of red letters for our good, for our benefit. If, if we don't spend time in God's word, then what are we saying about our relationship with him? Do we love his word? Let me challenge you with this. Because God challenged me with this. If, if there were to be a, if there were to be a camera that followed you around for one week of your life, okay? So let's say you had your own reality TV show, okay? And, and it, it was called, you know, it was the new version of the Kardashians, okay? It was called the Grugers, okay? Shout out to Joey and Wyatt Grugers, right? It's what you get for sitting in front, amen? You might get a shout out, praise God. So let's just think about this new hit show called the Grugers, all right? And they, and they followed you around from Monday morning to Monday morning for a full week. I want you to pull back that definition of the word apeko, um, this word hold fast. Now, I'm just using them as an example. I'm just, I'm just pulling you guys out because I think you guys would represent this as well. But, but after that, let's just say a bunch of viewers tuned in and they watched your guys' show. Would people say, that, that group noticed God's word? I was watching their life, and they were fixed. Their attention was fixed on God's word. 
I, I don't know. I was watching the Grugers last night, and they just they, they remain in the Word. They just remain in the Word, not in like an uncomfortable or awkward or annoying way, but they're just seasoned with it. You know what? I was watching the Grugers. They keep a close watch on the Word. They're raising their daughter Micaiah up under the Word. Would people be able to say that about your life? If they watched, if they tuned in, if they said, all right, Hyden, we're going to watch your life for a week, I wonder if I would be one that would be categorized or, or described as one who holds fast to the word of life. I love what Paul says there. He doesn't call it God's word. Although it is God's word, he calls it the word of life. Amen? Look at this verse with me. Let's let, highlight specifically verse 16. Holding fast to the word of life. God's word is the source of our life. God's word is the source that we eat from. There's a reason why Jesus looks at the devil and says, devil, don't you get it? Man doesn't just live off bread alone, but by every word that flows from the mouth of God. Man lives off this word. This is the word of life. I'm not here to try to Bible thump you this morning or to try to tell you, you know what? Hey, be a better Christian and, and read God's word. What I'm trying to do is your life's going to glow at the words in you. Your life's going to shine when the Word's in you. Have you ever been in a, a situation where you're just like, man, I just wish I knew the Word better. Like, this person's talking to me right now. They're saying all types of false things about the Scripture. And you're like, oh, I, I know that Haydn mentioned it, but I wish I read it myself. Or I wish I've been in the Word. Or I wish I was holding fast to this ocean of truth. God, let your, let your Word rain down on us. We're not just asking for anything to rain on us. We're asking for the word. We need to cover ourselves, hold fast to God's word. Let me just give you guys a couple of scriptures because I want to just camp out here just for a little bit longer because I don't want to miss this point right here. Let's look at this word, Colossians 3.16. A lot of people know John 3.16, but you got to know Colossians 3.16, all right? Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, some of us have misinterpreted this word to say poorly. You know, let the word of Christ dwell within you poorly. You know what, Hayden? I, I read the word. What does that look like for you? Well, every morning I get a verse of the day on my phone. I read that, and then that's it. Praise God for the verse of the day. I'm not taking anything away from the verse of the day. I enjoy seeing a verse of the day. But that right there is like getting a large fry at McDonald's and taking one fry out, all right? Who does that, right? Like, let me get the fry of the day. I want to eat the full thing, all right? I want a full fry, okay? And God's word right there is a full, like, and oftentimes you might read one verse that's out of context. You might not totally understand what God's speaking to you in that verse of the day. But there might have been a story of the day or a chapter of the day. If you take time, to read one chapter in the Bible of the day, I guarantee you it probably won't go close to the amount of time you're going to spend scrolling on Instagram or the amount of time you're going to spend watching your show or the amount of time you're going to do eating physically. What if you just took five minutes to eat spiritually and hold fast to God's word? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Jesus says in John 15, let's look at this verse right here. He says this, if you abide in me, the word abide, the Greek word meno, means to remain, 
to stay, to be close, to dwell. If you stay in Christ and my words stay in you, ask whatever you wish. Abiding in his word serves our prayer life. Holding fast to God's word deepens our prayer relationship with God. Jesus says, if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified when you stay in the word. Not only that, you bear much fruit when you stay in the word. And you prove to be a disciple of Jesus when you stay in the word. What's evidence that you're a disciple? How's your relationship with God's word? The disciples followed Jesus right? Because he was physically there. But we as disciples of Jesus, we can learn from the teachings of Christ through his divinely inspired word. One more verse, Psalm 1-2. The, the, the man after God's own heart, David. You guys may be familiar with King David. He was a total mess up. He messed up all the time. But guess what? He had unbelievable repentance and he had faith in Jesus. He had faith in the Messiah and he had a great relationship with God's word. How do you know that? Well, he tells us. Psalm 1, verse 2. David's writing about what a man of God looks like, what a woman of God looks like. His delight is in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is found in God's word. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's law. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be a, a, a weird person that just walks around like this all day, like, I'm going to read my Bible, you know. Live life out of the overflow of God's word in you and through you. Spend time in God's word. Meditate on God's word. I decided to say, you know what, God? I want to know the definition of meditate so I can be like this guy. So God, you may look at Hyden one day and say, that's a man after my own heart. We'll do some great things through that person, through that church, because I pray that God would look at Walk Church and say, that's a church after his heart. That's a church that loves God's word, that the Philippian church holds fast to God's word, and so does walk church. Hold fast to God's word. The word meditate in the Webster's Dictionary means to focus one's thoughts on. It means to engage in a reflection or a contemplation, to engage and reflect on God's word. Dr. Tony Evans says, believers who don't live with a scheduled diet of God's word will fail to stay competitive spiritually. Believers who, who don't live with a, a scheduled diet. What's that mean? You guys know what a diet is or a scheduled diet or a budget, right? Where you're scheduling it in. Sometimes you got to schedule it in. What you doing later? I'm reading God's word. <laughs> that might get you an interesting look. I'll, I'll be there later. I got to spend time with God's word. I'm going to hold fast. If you don't do that, you'll fail to stay competitive spiritually. Because guess what? The, the Christian life is a competitive life. You know why? Because the devil hates it. You start trying to read God's word, your phone will ring, ring off the hook. You start trying to read God's word, that, that person that you were like, that, that, for, for that girl, you're like, you know, she'll never notice me, you students, right? She'll notice you. The minute you try to open up God's word, the enemy will come in all types of forms and shapes. Your email will blow up. Your, your favorite show will come on. You'll be like, oh, your doorbell will ring right when you open this book. If you don't schedule it out, you won't have a healthy diet of God's word in your life. You won't, have, you won't be able to, to compete against the enemy who hates it. He hates it. John Wooden, the, the Hall of Fame basketball coach, the most winningest basketball coach of all time. 
He would coach his teams with this wisdom. Drink deeply from good books, especially the Bible. What are you drinking deeply from? Which fountain are you going to to drink from? I understand. I'm not, I'm not one that's against uh, fictional books or anything like that. I think that we can learn from a variety of different books. John Wooden says we should drink deeply from good books. I think there are some good books. We have a couple books that you can purchase here. But if you really want to drink deep, don't spend more time learning from leadership books and learning from self-help books. You got the greatest self-help book right here. You got the greatest Bible right here that you'll ever need, that you ever need to read. Drink deeply from God's word. I want to challenge you. The greatest thing that, that, that spurred me along in my personal relationship with Jesus, my walk with Jesus, is when I carved out time intentionally to read God's word. As a young believer at at 18, 19 years old, hadn't read the Bible in my life in a consistent level, wasn't, wasn't too sure of anything regarding the Scriptures, I literally just said, you know what, I'm just going to start. I'm just going to pick it up. So let me go ahead and give you guys a couple tips that may be beneficial for you in reading God's Word. Here's a couple tools, because you might say, as you leave here, you might say, you know, I, you said I need to read the Word more, but I don't have a strategy. And, and you know what, this, this isn't the best strategy, all right, church? All right, Hayden said, I got to read. All right, Jason, let's just pick one out, right? Genesis chapter 33, verse 22, right? That's not the best strategy, okay? That might get you confused real quick. Here's some tips. Proverb a day. This is, is something that my wife Nina and I have done for the past three years, and it has been powerful in our lives. Here's why. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Do you guys know how many um, days are in most months? 31, right? Or 30. God has given us a book in the Bible called Proverbs, filled with wisdom. Solomon had one prayer request. He said, God, I want to be the wisest man to ever live outside of Jesus. And God said, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give it to you. And Solomon took this God-given wisdom and he wrote it down in a book and he called it Proverbs, 31 chapters for us. Why would you not read that? If you want to live a life that's filled with wisdom, if you want to be wise, wouldn't you want to read a wise book? Proverb a day. Take some time. Today is June 5th, am I right? You have an assignment today. Later on tonight. Open up your Bible and say, I'm going to read Proverbs 5. And guess what you would read tomorrow? You guys are good. Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6. All types of wealth of wisdom in the Proverbs. Maybe you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do the Proverbs right now. Here's, a, here's another strategy that I've found to be good. One chapter in the Old Testament, one chapter in the New Testament. This would be a little bit more if you want to have a more robust reading schedule where you're like, you know what, meditate on the Lord morning and nightly, I'm going to go ahead and read a chapter in the Old Testament in the morning, or read a chapter in the New Testament in the night. That would be a powerful reading strategy. I've tried that before. It was greatly beneficial to my walk. I picked the book of 1 Kings and just said, I'm going to read a chapter of 1 Kings. Then I'm going to read a chapter in the Gospel of John. And it was really healthy for my spiritual walk. And I learned a lot about God and Kings. I learned a lot about Jesus and John. It would be greatly beneficial to your walk. Maybe you're like, you know what, that's too much for me, Pastor Hyden, to be honest. I don't have time to read two chapters in the Bible today. I don't even have time to read a proverb a day. I got a, just a couple minutes to, to give to God's Word. All right, let's start there. Pick a book, 
Read a chunk at a time. I'll just be honest with you guys. Recently, I decided to read through the Gospel of Matthew again. Okay? And I've read through the Gospel of Matthew probably 10 times in my spiritual walk with Christ. I circulate through the Gospels often. I'll just pick a Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and I'll just read through it. Oftentimes, I read a chapter a day. But as of late, Jesus has been revealing so much new stuff to me through the gospel. I'm like, are you sure I've read this, Jesus? Because it's just been so fresh for me that I said, you know what? I can't digest a whole chapter. I only can do a little subsection. But in that subsection, I'm going to really meditate on that. I'm going to read 10 verses here, five verses here, and I'm going to hold fast to those verses. Pick a book. In order, start with chapter 1. All right, don't just jump in to a, a random book at a random chapter. That won't be beneficial. You wouldn't do that in a, in a Harry Potter book. Would that make sense? If you just grabbed the, the Hunger Games book and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to start jumping into the story right here. Okay? Would, it, would that work? No. Why would we do that with the scriptures? Pick a book. I would encourage you in the New Testament for now. And just say, I'm going to pick Philippians. I'm just going to read this chunk. Digest that. Meditate that. Here's another strategy. Join a group. Maybe you're like, hey, Hayden, I don't have the discipline. I don't have the time to open the Bible myself. Come to a charge group. We'll open it with you. I guarantee you every time we meet together as a charge group, we'll open the Word. We have a specific carved out time of teaching in the group. We don't just do a Bible study in the group. But we do open the word. That will cause you to open the scriptures. Challenge yourself. Give yourself to an hour a week to a group. Lastly, I would say read relationally, not informationally. That was one thing I was taught early on in my walk with Christ because I would get super pumped up. It would be January 1, and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to do the Bible in a year plan. And hear me, I'm not against the Bible in a year plan. I'm just saying it's not for me. Because what happens is, I'm like, all right, I, I just got that week in. And then I start, and then I miss a day. And now I'm like, all right, now i got to read six chapters today. And then I miss that day, and now i got to read 18 chapters the next day. And I'm like, all right, now I just quit. I'm done. I'm done. Maybe you'd be like me. And, and what happens is I just start reading for the information so I can check it off my plan. You don't got to read informationally. You don't get an award in heaven for reading the Bible in a year. Read relationally. Ask God to speak to you. Pick a chunk. I'm going to read this. I'm going to hold fast to it. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to fix my attention on it to the point where if, there were, if I had my own reality show, they would say, that dude is a man of the word. That person holds fast to God's word. Last quote from the, preach, the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, he says it like this, and we'll continue to move forward. He says, some people like to read so many Bible chapters every day. I would not dissuade them from the practice, but I would rather lay my soul a soak in a half of a dozen of verses all day than rinse my hand in several chapters. Oh, to be bathed in a text of Scripture and to let it be sucked up in your very soul till it saturates your heart. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Amen? Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who's holding together all right because they're held together by God's word. 
Second point today, and now we're really going to speed up, all right, is to live with purpose. Live life with purpose. Let's continue to look at verse 16, specifically verse, uh, part B of verse 16, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, in the day you stand before Jesus, you kneel before Jesus, either he's going to come here to get you or you're going to go up there to get him. It's going to happen. As Paul Washer says, this will be the best day of your life or the worst day of your life. But you're going to see him in that day. Paul says, I may be proud that I did not run in vain, that I did not labor in vain. What does Paul mean by this? He's saying you should have a purpose-driven life. Strive to have a purpose with what you do in life. He uses athletic language here. Paul would have certainly been familiar with the, the, the athletic games in Greece. He would have certainly been familiar with the Olympics. Let me, get, let me tell you guys, the Olympics in this culture were so important that everybody got a month off from work when the Olympics came to town. Because it was filled with festivity. It was filled with culture. It was filled with fellowship. Athletics are important. Anybody going to watch the finals tonight? Yeah, I said it. I asked you. Can, you can raise your hand in church. I'm going to watch it, right? Not in an idolatrous way, in a way to watch Steph Curry glorify God. Amen? All right. Keep going. Keep going. We're, gonna, we're, we're done there. Watch everybody glorify God. Amen? I hope so. Um, but Paul, Paul knew that. Paul realized that. Paul said, hey, listen. I'm, I'm, I'm in the culture. Paul said, I'm a fan of sports. I go watch a boxing match. I'll go watch a wrestling match. I'll go watch a, a track meet, watch a race. And he says here, hold fast to the word of life. Work out your own salvation. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling. Stop arguing. Shine brightly so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud. And that's not a, that's not a, a bad proud. There's a godly pride. There's a godly way to be proud. Just like Dean said, I'm proud of my daughter. She graduated from college. Amen. That's a godly proud right there. Paul saying, I'm proud of the church. That in the day of Christ, I'll know that I did not run in vain. I did not labor in vain. What good would it be to, to run in vain? What good would it be, Liz, you're a track, track athlete. What, what good would it be to, to, to practice all of your, your, your running to never run the race, Right? That wouldn't make sense as a basketball player to, to, to work out all the time, to get ready for the game, and then to not show up, right? What good with laborers? We got some laborers here at Walk Church. You might have saw them with their shirts on that say grind team. Clap for the grind team one time. Amen. 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 Would it be, would it be beneficial if we did all this and didn't have a church service? It just, the stage just sat here. The chairs just stayed empty. We set it all up and just went home. All right, guys, we, we, we labored. We labored. We got the screen. It's working. It's beautiful. All right, let's go. That would be labor in vain. I'm working out. I'm stretching. I'm getting ready. I'm eating right. I got this big track meet coming up. I'm ready to run this race. The Olympics are coming. Think about how much they train for the Olympics right, from a youngster all the way to the, it's all borderline idolatrous. And they didn't show up for the race. Paul's saying this, I'm living with a purpose. I'm in jail right now for a purpose. Paul's saying, I'm writing the gospel, I'm writing the Philippian letter from chains because at the day of Christ, I want to see some brothers and sisters from Philippi there. Paul's saying, 
On that day, they're not going to say, hey, Hayden, laborers, y'all didn't put this church up for nothing. We see people from Las Vegas saved because of it. Right, Paul's saying on the day of Christ, I want to be proud that I saw you guys there. I want to be proud that we held fast to the word of God. I want to be proud that our church actually stood on the word. I want to be proud that, that some of you guys had a wrestle with lust this week and you said, because of the word in me, I'm not giving in. Or maybe some of you guys' marriages were tempted to have a, 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 a crazy argument and you said, hold up, let's just go back to the word right now. And you held fast to the word and you won the victory because of it. That right there is something that on the day of Christ, Paul says, boast in that. Paul says, don't run in vain. Don't labor in vain. Know that the, the, the ministry, the service that you guys are all doing in your capacity somehow, you're, you're leading of worship, you're playing the drums, you're, you're doing the video, that right there is not in vain. Do it with a purpose. God will use that. God will use that in a major way. William Barclay says it like this. He says, Paul's prayer, his prayer is that he may not be like an athlete whose training and effort have gone for nothing. For him, the greatest prize in the life was to know that through him, others had come to know him, know, know and to love and to serve Jesus Christ. Paul's saying here, I'm, my goal is that people come to know Jesus. That's what I'm doing, what I'm doing. Third point. Third point is play the background. Play the background. Love God's word. Live a life of purpose. And be content with playing the background. Here's what I mean by that. We'll continue on with our verse. Verse 17, Paul says these words right here. He says, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. Now what does he mean by that? What's a... What does it mean to be poured out as a drink offering? Well, that challenges us and calls us to go back to the Old Testament to understand what a drink offering was. In the sacrificial system, in the law, actually earlier than the law, we see Jacob. I'll pull up a photo up right here. Jacob in Genesis chapter 35, what he did was he, 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 he made an altar right where he was at. We'll just say this was Jacob, all right? Just go there with me, right? And, and as he's wandering, he said, you know what? I'm going to do an offering to the Lord. He's been so good to me. He's provided for me. I'm just going to set up a little altar right here. And, and, and what he did was you, you do a sacrifice. You grab your sacrifice, whether it be an animal or grain. It's a sacrifice to the Lord. And right as you're getting ready to offer this sacrifice to the Lord in the Old Testament, what they would do is they would grab some fine wine. Or in Jacob's case, he found some water. He found a drink. And what they do is they pour it onto the sacrifice. And what happens there is there's supposed to be an aroma that fills the sacrifice, that fills the room, and is supposed to go up to heaven and be a pleasing aroma to God. And in the, in the Levitical law system that we see as God continued to appoint uh, the, the, the law in Deuteronomy and Numbers, actually 35 times in the book of Numbers, the, the phrase drink offering is used. And it's used in such a way as a complement to the offering. So as one would come to the, the temple, they would bring their offering. They'd say, all right, I want to I offer this lamb because I've been sinning a lot. And I want to be forgiven of my sin. And so priest, sacrifice this lamb on my behalf. Touch me, 
touch the lamb, transfer my sin to the lamb, and then sacrifice this lamb in, in, in place of my sin. Because God's punishment for sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And so what would happen is the priest would, would take the animal, would put it onto the altar, and then he would pour this drink offering on it as a compliment of aroma to God for forgiveness. Now, praise God, we don't have to do that anymore. Amen? Why? Because we have the true and greater and final sacrifice, the worthy lamb, Jesus, right? Who died for all of our sin, who was sacrificed in our place. And the cup of God's wrath, the drink offering of God's wrath was poured out on Christ. And so when we put our faith in him, he's the final sacrifice. He's the worthy lamb. Worthy is the lamb that was slain for our sin. We put our faith in Jesus. He's our sacrifice. He makes us right with God. He's our mediator. He's the only one we need. But in the Old Testament, they would use a drink offering in their sacrifice. And what it was, was a temporary satisfaction. It was just a quick midst. So just kind of like if you were to have a hot pan, all right, and you were to pour a drink on it, and you would, right? And then it would kind of just evaporate and fade. Do you guys know what I mean? Any cooks in the room? A few people, give me a, give me a nod, okay, right? So this is what that was. Paul's saying, if my life is to be poured as a, as a drink offering. Let's look back at this verse. verse. Verse 16 to 17. As my life is to be poured out as a drink offering. He's saying it already has been. Paul didn't have to preach the gospel and go to jail. Paul didn't have to spend a night and day in the sea. Paul didn't have to wrestle with beasts in Ephesus. That dude had a crazy testimony. Paul's life was nuts. He didn't have to do that. But with what he did, he said, pour me out. My life, I'm, pour me out as a drink offering. The sacrifice will actually be the Philippian church, their faith. They're the primary. I'm just in the background. Let my life complement them. Pour me out on top of them. And then let me just fade into the background so Jesus can get the glory. That's what Paul's saying about being a, a, a drink offering. I'm going to read a quote to us and then we're going to close. Uh, band, you guys can come on back up here and we're going to finish right now. Uh, J. Vernon McGee in his commentary on Philippians, he says, Paul's saying, I want my life to be poured out like a drink offering of Christ. Paul knows that the Lord Jesus Christ made the supreme sacrifice. He wanted his life to be a drink offering, just poured out to go into esteem. He wanted to be so consumed and obscured that all that is seen is just Jesus. He wanted Christ to receive all the honor and the glory. This was the mind of Paul. I can't think of no higher wish for the Christian life. He's saying, if we, if we allow ourselves to be a drink offering, if we, if we say, you know what, that's going to be my testimony. I'm going to pour my life out for the good of one another. Paul says, I'm going to pour my life out even if it costs me my life. Paul would go on to be executed for his faith, along with majority of the other disciples. But he would do that knowing that he's a drink offering for somebody else. Pour me out, Paul says. Can you say that today? Can you say that you've prayed a prayer that you just said, God, you know, use me like a drink offering. Pour me out so that my life affects people around me. My life affects my neighborhood. My life affects my classmates. My, my life affects my teammates. My life affects Walk Church. Pour me out, God. Now, I, I challenge you. Don't pray that prayer unless you mean it. God will pour you out. God will put some stuff in your path that will make you step your game up. Are you ready for that? 
Live a life that's poured out. Live a life that's in the background. Last action step, last, last point, we'll go here. In order to live the word and experience joy, love God's word, live with purpose, play the background. The last one is rejoice and be glad together. Let's finish this chunk of scripture off right here. Paul says, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. What's he saying? He's saying, after all that, all right, after, after all of your working out your salvation, after all of your practice, after all of your running, not in vain, after all of your efforts, after you've been poured out, after you've held fast to God's word, after you went to charge group, after you said no to sin, what's going to be the result? Is it going to be a hindrance of joy? Is it going to be a boring and dull life? Are you going to miss out on what, what, what this life has to offer? By no means. Paul says, after all that, I am glad. After all that, I, say that word with me, rejoice. Not by myself, but with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad. And you also would rejoice with me. I want to challenge you, Walk Church. Live out these action steps. Give it your best. Play the background. Hold fast to God's word. Open up the book of Proverbs again. Let God speak to you. Memorize a chapter in the book. Do whatever it takes. Don't run in vain. Labor. Work out your salvation. And the response and the result will be a shiny Christian and a life that's filled and saturated with his joy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.